The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 361 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, the guru of RedLegNation.com and RedsMinorLeagues.com. It's Doug Gray. How are you, Doug? I'm pretty good, Chad. How you doing? Oh, man. Couldn't be happier to be alive and be a Cincinnati Reds fan. I mean, they announced the schedule today. I mean, we kind of already knew who was going to play when, but now we know exactly when. We got game times. We can all print our little, you know, hang them up on your refrigerator red schedules. And, you know, I'm excited about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, that's always a a fun moment anyway. We have an actual schedule. It's to begin on Thursday, April 1st. And uh, it's against the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Ooh, oh, yeah. You guys all you guys all booed when he said that too, right? Yeah, stupid yeah. Cardinals. Um, I mean, you know, we have some maybe some objections to the way the Reds are currently running things, but uh, and and people may disagree about what the Reds should do, what shouldn't do, but we can all unite in our just a deep loathing of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball organization. Am I right? I believe you are right, Chad. I believe you are right. Well, let's get into some of the transactions of the week, and then uh, there's some some comments I want. I think we need to uh, discuss, which I think was the news of the week. Frankly, first of all, Trevor Bauer. We remember him. He signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers, a massive, massive contract. So you know, good luck, I guess. Whatever. Um, Reds didn't want you. Um, and then the Red, but the Reds did sign some players this week. Started out with D. Strange Gordon, the artist formerly known as D. Gordon, um, who's uh, you know a hundred years old, um, and we'll we'll talk a little more about him. But they also signed Braden Shipley, Max Schrock, and Shane Carl. Oh, it's exciting. I mean, <laughs> is that the right word? to use there, Chad? I, oh. I, I, don't, I don't know if anybody else got excited about those names. Maybe you did, and that's okay. I'm trying. I'm, try, a, I'm trying to stay upbeat you, and positive, man. You, you can get excited about whatever you want. Um, Max Schrock? I mean, that, that's a quality name, though. I mean, you got to get that. That is a good name. I feel like that's a name from, from the Flintstones. Like, that, that would fit in very well if you were, like, the foreman at one of the job sites. Oh, I like it, yes. Yelling at old Fred. Uh, do you know the Flintstones are on the uh, HBO Max? Uh, I did not. I feel like I need to get HBO Max, though. It's a blast from my uh, from my childhood there. Anyway, um, D. Gordon is the most interesting name there, other than, I mean, literally, Max Schrock is an interesting name, but uh, as we've noted. But um, D. Strange Gordon, you know, there was a time when he was, I mean, it's a two-time All-Star, I believe, and there was a time when he was, a, you know, a useful Big league player. He was never really a star, even though he was was an all star. But he was he was a useful player for uh, for a while there. It's been a while though since he's been useful, right? 
Uh, yeah, mostly. I, I think that you know when you when you think about him, you obviously think about all the steals that he had back in the day. Um, you know, I think he topped out at sixty steals. Um, but you know, he's not really a good defender anymore. Where you expect him to play? Yeah. Um, I, I believe it was Dan Samborski basically said he's a left fielder now that you might let play somewhere else. But I mean, he he can't hit anymore. Um, he doesn't walk. And he's he's not really even that fast anymore. I mean, he's still fast, so don't get me wrong. But I mean, he's significantly slower than Nick Senzel is, who, you know, by the metrics that we use today, is the fastest player on the Reds. He's faster than me. Well, he's also faster than me for just just for the record. But that doesn't really count for much because uh, <laughs> right. last I checked, we weren't professional athletes. This is true. This is true. Um, it, it hurts my feelings to admit that. But... <laughs> I'm still I'm still holding out hope. At the Reds need a shortstop. I'm available. Uh, this, listen, we went, you'd fit right on it. Uh, that's a fact. I'm surprised they haven't made me a, a at least a minor league deal, an offer for a minor league deal. And that's what I wanted to mention with with uh, the strange Gordon is that it's it's a minor league deal. It's not like they signed him to be the starting shortstop, which I think some people on Twitter assumed when the news first came out. You know, he's going to compete for the 25th man on the roster. But I, I'm telling you, if, if Reds history is any uh, guide for us. He's the type of guy that typically makes the uh, the Reds roster, you know, at the end of the roster. So he well. does. Now, the the one thing that I think that, and don't get me wrong, I, I 100% agree with you that generally that's the kind of guy that, you know, he'll come in and have two good weeks, and then all of a sudden he's on the roster. If you look at the Reds' 40 man roster right now, a lot of these guys are out of options. Um, not so much guys that they picked up this offseason, which it seems that everybody has options that they've picked up this offseason, but there's a lot of guys that don't really have options, and I, I really do wonder if that's not going to, which I, as a Reds fan, it, it's something that I'm happy to say out loud, but I think that they're actually going to be forced to make a decision because of how spring training plays out rather than going into it with it, you know, thinking, hey, D. Strange Gordon's our guy. He's going he's gonna to make the roster that he's actually going to have to go out and prove that, hey, you know, I'm not a 225 hitter who can't hit the ball out of the infield kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. There might be a numbers crunch there. I don't know. I just, uh, whatever. Uh, the, the the only reason to really bring that up is to talk about the shortstop position, which we do every single week here on the world's most shortstopless podcast. <laughs> so, Nick Crawl, how badly do we feel for Nick Crawl? Because I feel really bad for the guy. I mean, I, I, I do in the sense that I, I think that he's getting a lot of heat right now for things that are, for the most part, out of his control. But I think that he also, you know, it, he accepted the job. And unfortunately, being the face of the franchise, so to speak, and the one that's got to take all of the heat, that's a part of the job, too. It, it is. Um, and he did take the job. And I think just about everybody would have taken the job. Well, maybe with a possible exception of Dick Williams, who said, take this job and shove it. Um, but, I'm not sure those were his exact words, but yes. <laughs> maybe not, but... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I just feel like he is going to take so much blame for the fact that the Reds are literally going to go into the season, and we'll talk about his quotes here in a minute, um, but I want to preface it with with how much I don't blame Nick Crawl for what's going on here, but he's going to take so much heat for, you know, if the Reds uh, stumble out of the blocks again or whatever, or if just, you know, if they finish whatever the projections say, below 500. Um, 
he's going to be the one that's going to take the blame. And it's 100% in the lap of Bob Castellini. And, and, I, and I just hate it for Nick Crawl, who I've met and who I think is a, a, a really nice guy. Um, I don't have a relationship with him. I, I don't know him other than, you know, talking to him just a couple of times, but or more than a couple maybe. But anyway, I think under the right circumstances with the ownership that's willing to spend, I think he could be a really good general manager for this team. Do you agree with that? I think so. Um, but we're, <laughs> we're not in that position to find out. So. Yeah, he's, he's working for Mike Brown. I mean, wait a minute. Um, Castellini. So he <laughs> he talked a little bit this week about a lot of things. And I'm just going to read his entire quote about the shortstop position, which we've been talking about literally since the season ended because we knew the Reds did not have a major league shortstop. And, again, I'm going to preface it by saying I don't think he believes a word of this, but these are things that he has to say. Kyle Farmer was a solid shortstop. He did a good job, especially hitting left-handed pitching last year. Kyle Holder's a guy who, left-handed hitter, plays good defense. (laughs) That's damning with faint praise. He's a guy who is a left-handed hitter. Uh, I think we're going to do what we can with that group, and they're going to compete for that spot, and that's who we have right now. I do believe in those guys. Jose Garcia's got a lot of tools and really can make a difference. Just making sure he puts everything together and becomes the player he needs to be. Does that sound like we're going with Kyle Farmer and Kyle Holder? That's what it sounds like to me. I'll say this much. Nick Kroll cannot talk about players that are on other teams. At that point that that quote came out, I mean, free agency's pretty much done for shortstops. Like, there's just nobody's out there. So his only real options are to talk about the guys that he does have. If he's working on a trade right now for somebody else, he can't mention any player by name specifically. That's tampering. He'll get fined. The organization will get fined. He's not allowed to do that. But, man, when you hear those quotes, I mean, listen to what he says. They're left-handed hitters. Like, what, why is that something you're bringing up? Like, he literally can't think of things to say <laughs> I know. that are good enough to sell anybody on the idea that either one of those guys should be the starting shortstop on a major league baseball team. And this is a guy who bats in one particular batting box. It's exciting. Ugh, bless his heart. That's what we'd say here in the South. Bless his heart. Um, now, you're right about the, the trade, and there, I think there are still possibilities. Uh, probably not going to trade for Francisco Lindor at this point. But no, I, I think they missed the boat on that. One. I think I think so. They weren't even they weren't even in the same ocean, or where <laughs> that boat was. Um, but and so if you want to have some hope, he did say that's who we have right now. So you know that opens the door to maybe somebody else. But if you're wanting to be pessimistic, you read this. I think we're going to do what we can with that group, and they're going to compete for that spot. Man, that's just that hit hard. <laughs> just seeing it in print, it hit hard to me. Did it you? I mean, I'm one of the people that put it in print. So, there you I go. Mean, <laughs> were you crying, <laughs> crying on your keyboard? I, I, I was. I don't. I, <laughs> it, it was. It was tough. It, it was because I mean, that's just those guys aren't shortstops. With with all due respect to both of those players, Kyle Farmer's not a defensive shortstop. He's just not. No. Uh, and you know, Kyle Holder is a defensive shortstop, but he can't hit. I mean, combined, those two players have, like, 16 major league games between the two of them at shortstop. Yeah. And they're all they're all for Kyle Farmer, who's not a big league shortstop. I don't care. I don't care what the Reds say. I know that David Bell has talked him up about, you know, he can play short. No. 
He, I'm sorry, he's not a, he's not a big league shortstop. He's just not. Uh, um, yeah, he, you know, his value is entirely in his versatility. So yeah, maybe he can play shortstop for you know a few innings or for, you know for a game or two here and there. But that's a whole different ball game than being an everyday major league baseball shortstop. One of the hardest things to do in professional sports. Not his fault that he's not quite that guy, but you know, can, can you believe that again? You know. I think I do think there are reasons to be optimistic about this team. I keep reminding myself they're not the ninety-five lost teams that we saw in previous years. There's a there's a chance here, but can, I just I have a difficult time wrapping my brain around the fact that Bob Castellini, in in the uh, in the name of trying to save a few bucks, is literally willing to allow a major league baseball franchise. There aren't that many of them. He's willing to allow a Major League Baseball franchise to literally go into a season with zero shortstops on the uh, on the big league roster. Literally. The most important defensive position. Uh, well, you could argue about that, but it, uh, that's my argument. But he's they're literally going to go into the season without a shortstop. How is that even a thing for a big league team? I mean, how is that even? It's just unfathomable to me. It's not just that it's that. I mean, that was their only stated goal for this offseason was to find a shortstop for 2021. And, I mean, I, I guess you can argue, hey, they added Kyle Holder. I mean, because Kyle – I mean, technically Kyle Farmer re-signed with them after they you know, non-tendered him, and he re-signed within, like, 12 seconds just because that's how long it took them to fax Major League Baseball offices that, hey, we have an agreement in place. The contracts will follow this one. You think they still fax? Uh, yeah, they still they still fax. What year is this? Nineteen eighty six. I mean, I, I hope not. But uh, if it is, invest in Apple. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's just the part that gets me is that uh, that they're willing, and it, and it's all cost cutting. But they're willing to literally go into a season with a big league team that's not an awful big league team. We're not the Pirates. And they're willing to go in without a shortstop at all. And I just, I, I just can't wrap my brain around that. I just, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, I mean, it's it's what they stated they wanted to do, and I mean, it's uh, we're recording this on February 11th. So what is that? Like four, four months, four and a half months into free agency, um, they brought in a guy they traded for who was a Rule Five pick who's never been in the big leagues to compete for a shortstop. With a guy who isn't a shortstop, um, yeah, with a backup I, catcher. I mean, Jose Garcia is still around. I, I mean, we can all hope that somehow he he's figured out how to hit big league pitching between last year and this year, um, despite not playing in games. So it's not likely. Yeah. But uh, I mean, there there is always the possibility of trades, and I mean, given the actual other options, um, there might be waiver claims somewhere. Towards the end of March, that could be a true upgrade at shortstop for the Reds, given that, again, Kyle Farmer and Kyle Holder seem to be the guys that are fighting for the position. That's almost as sad as you know, the fact that the Reds are willing to go into the season, that the Reds might be able to get somebody off waivers who literally would be far and away the best shortstop on this on this roster. And, and I do want to discuss Jose Garcia a little bit more, but we have a question about him coming up in beer mail, so we'll, we'll hold off on that. But, oh, still got to... Still got to remind myself, this team is still kind of interesting. 
right? I mean, they're, you know, they're not, they're not as bad yeah. as the rebuilding Reds or the rebooting Reds or whatever they were. They didn't actually go all in on a rebuild, but, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if they lost 90 games. Let's let's say that. Yeah. And, and as a Cincinnati Reds fan, what more can you ask? I can ask a lot. Just don't lose 90. Uh, Lucas Sims, uh, some uh, news this week that Lucas Sims, uh, Reds uh, reliever, a little bit delayed, a little bit behind schedule. Uh, had some elbow tightness, according to Nick Crawl and... Uh, Lucas Sims, of course, chimed in. I saw, I'm sure you saw that on the, on Twitter and said, "Well, no, yeah, yeah, well, it's all good. I'll be ready for opening day." So that's that's good. I mean, Sims was great last year. I'm looking forward yeah, to seeing him yeah. this year. I, I love the the back and forth that him and Amir Garrett have been having on social media over who's going to be the closer this year. They're they're having a good time with it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, you know, Sims is uh, a, one of these uh, spin rate guys that. Uh, I think he's going to end up being a driveline success here for the Reds, a Cal Bodies type success, a Derek Johnson success, right? Am I am I wrong on that? I mean, I think he already has been, right? Yeah, but I, I mean, just, he, he was really good last year. <laughs> if he can just keep doing that, I mean, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty good pickup for the Reds. Absolutely. Um, what about that closer position? Because I saw that you know you, you mentioned Amir Garrett because he did come out and say on Twitter that he expected to be the closer, um, and I'm, you know I'm fine with that. You know, I, I'd rather have Rosella Glacius. Archie Bradley and Amir Garrett fighting for it, but and Lucas Sims, but yeah, can't get everything you want. Got to get rid of some players because they cost too much. The Dodgers don't agree with that, but you know. Oh yeah, some teams try, are trying to win. The Reds have never been that team, but I love them. I'm going to watch every game, and that's what they're counting on. You know, that's <laughs> they're counting on the fact that some of us are going to still going to watch every game, and I will. I'm a sucker. I'm, I admit it. As long as you're willing to admit it. If you yeah. understand who you are and what you're about, well, then that's fine. I'm a sucker, and there's one of us born every minute. Uh, baseball Prospectus announced their 2021 standings predictions. Where do they have the Reds, Doug? Do you know this? Uh, unfortunately, I do know this. Uh, I, I believe that they were in fourth place. Fourth place in the National League Central with a projected record of 79 and 83. Now, what surprised me about the National League Central projections there was the Cardinals, who we thought really were trying to upgrade a little bit, they had them in third place at 81-81. And first place projection, the Milwaukee Brewers, 89-73. and 73. I'm not sure I see that. that. That was the surprise to me, that the Brewers were that far ahead of everybody else. Um, I mean, I... Nothing wrong with the Brewers. I, I think that they're... They're fine, yeah. You know, they're right there with the Cubs and the Cardinals and maybe the Reds. But, I mean, they've got them finishing 10 games ahead of the Reds. I, I don't see a 10-game gap between the Reds and the Brewers. No, 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 me either. So, Red 79-83 projection. Um, I don't know, that kind of... I think if I were going to guess, I'd probably go 81-81 and 81 just because, again, I'm trying to be a little optimistic. But, I don't know, it's kind of in that same neighborhood. They're a roughly 500 team, I think, at this point. Do you, do you agree with that or disagree? That sounds about right. And, you know, it's, I think there's some decent sized error bars on that that 500 record too because if things can go right for the reds i mean i, I think they could win 87 games i do too yeah but that's got to be a situation where just about everything goes right for them i mean they, they've got good players they've got some players with upside but the the margin for error is so small 
I feel like I'm repeating myself on the podcast because in 2014, in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, uh, I was like, you know, you can squint here and you can kind of see how if things go right, this, you know, this team could compete. And I don't think you're having to squint quite as much as we were having to during those years. But, yeah, I mean, you know, guys start hitting like the back of their baseball card, you know, um, the pitching stays good. Uh I don't know that it'll be as good, but maybe maybe it will be. I mean, you know, um, I love the top. I love the top three guys in that uh, in that rotation. Um, yeah, you know, some of the hitters uh, do better, <laughs> do what we thought they were going to do last year. Yeah, you know, you could, I could see 87, 88, 89 even. Um, man, I don't know, eighty nine. That's pushing it. I don't see this as being anywhere near a ninety win team. But uh, you know, have a few uh, hot weeks there, get a streak and. You know, I mean, sometimes uh, weird things happen. They just do. Yeah. You know, the, the 1987 Twins got outscored in the regular season, but they won their division in the World Series. So, yeah, you know, it happens. Weird things happen, and, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's our turn. <laughs> you know, aren't we due for something good to happen? I, I feel like I am. I feel like I am due for something good in sports to happen for the teams that I root for. No question. Cincinnati sports fans are owed uh, something. Although, uh, I guess we can say this right now. Boy, and, and I've been able to say this for a long time. It's always been true, but um, more so right now. I'm glad I'm not a Pittsburgh fan. The projection from Baseball Prospectus: sixty-one and one hundred and one. I mean, it's oh, that's rough. I mean, they had a little short, brief period of being competitive, about the same as the Reds' short period of being competitive. And man, they have just decided to go off the cliff again, and probably I've- for a generation. I mean, we talk about the Reds not really trying. The, the Pirates really, really aren't trying. I mean, the, the guy you mentioned in the in the first part of the, the podcast here, Trevor Bauer, he will make more money this year than is currently owed to the entire Pittsburgh Pirates roster. You know, at some point, I think I feel like baseball. That, that, that's that says a lot more about the Pirates than it does about Trevor Bauer. But right, yes. Yeah. Does does baseball have to get a handle on this at some point? I mean, it's just not good for to have a franchise that refuses to spend money. I can't believe there aren't owners out there, and maybe they're not. Maybe I'm, you know. But with the way franchises explode in value, I can't believe there aren't Mark Cuban types out there um, that would be willing to spend. There must not be. There must not be thirty people, or you know, thirty uh, investment groups in the world. Maybe we get those Reddit guys, <laughs> the Wall Street bets, getting you know that. Uh, Buying those stonks. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if we could just short the pirates, like, can we, can we short the pirates? Does that work? Really? Uh, their ownership is shorting them. I mean, uh, it's a disaster. Let me uh, let me read to you a quote that I'm sure you saw today. It was going around Twitter, and it was uh, Clayton Kershaw. You've heard of Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, he's that uh, he's that 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 hippie-haired pitcher guy yeah. out west. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a lefty, and he's a hippie. Um. He's one of my favorite players. To, I hate to say it about a Dodger, but man, there are, he, he's so good. In my lifetime, he's one of probably my ten favorite players to watch that, that that weren't Reds. You know, I mean, I just so much fun. But anyway, here's his, here's what he said today. So yeah, for every Astros or Cubs story, there's going to be ten other teams that don't win, and they're just going to have to do it all over again. Talking about rebuilding, and how as a fan base can you accept that? The whole rebuild, don't spend money for a few years, get a bunch of draft picks, and try to do it. It's tired. Every team does it now. Every team, they need to be more creative, figure something out. There's a lot of smart guys in front offices. 
Figure something out that's easier to do than trading away a star. Just for example, potential Cy Young in U Darvish, who's been one of the top five pitchers in baseball for a year and a half, for prospects that could potentially be good, but they're 17, 18 years old. You know, uh, and Cal Davies is a great pitcher, but to me that's just not, for the Chicago Cubs to do that, it's not good. It's just not good. And I just don't think it's good for the sport. Um, and they've had this conversation in recent years uh, in the basketball arena. And, of course, I can't really say anything because my team um, in basketball, because Cincinnati does not have a team, you may have noticed, in the NBA these days, uh, is the Philadelphia 76ers, who I chose as a six-year-old for some reason. Well, Julius Irving's the reason. but um, it's, good. it's a good reason. Oh, it's a good reason, yeah. So, And I've stuck with them uh, until Cincinnati gets a team. But, um, you know, they, they started the trust the process thing. You know, I mean, they tanked hard, and it, you know, it, they kind of got shaky midway through and didn't really finish the process. They fired Sam Hinkie, the general manager that started it, but they got a good general manager now who inexplicably follows me on Twitter. I don't understand that, but um, because I rarely talk, tweet about the about the Sixers, um, and he followed me when he was the Rockets GM, Daryl Morey. Weird, just weird. But anyway, whatever. That's just me. Um, but does, does baseball have to? Should they be concerned? I know the NBA has been concerned. Should baseball be concerned about this idea that you just tear it down and just we're going to be bad for five years? <laughs> That's a lot to ask of your fans. I mean, they they should be. I don't know if they actually are, um, because it just seems that more and more, you know, the the team owners are only worried about how much money they can make rather than the long term health of the sport. Um, well, they're businessmen. All... They didn't get to be billionaires by not being worried about the bottom line. I mean, yeah, but where where where's the line between how much money you make and you know just the product that you're selling? Yeah, what what, what if you can make money by having a you know a crappy product? That's that's what we're seeing. I mean, you're you're not wrong. I guess my thing would be, and then maybe they don't care because this isn't going to affect them. Because I mean, I I mean, I'm sure the average age of the Major League Baseball owner is much older than the average fan of Major League Baseball. Uh, so this, this I don't mean this to sound terrible, but they're probably all going to be dead by the time that what they're doing today truly comes back to bite the Major League Baseball owners of the future when, you know, losing entire generations of fans and half the cities in Major League Baseball, you know, comes back to get them. That's been three decades for the Reds. I always talk about this lost generation, and I just... Then I, I feel like the, you know, the Reds' ownership—not just Castellini—he's the current culprit. But over the last, you know, twenty-five years, uh, ownership has just, um, really done serious damage to the brand. The, the Cincinnati Reds brand at one time was as strong and as recognizable as any sports franchise in the world, uh, and, and during, during my lifetime, and. Although I don't remember it because I was so young, but uh, I, I just—it's just not good for the long-term health of the sport, for the long-term health of the of the franchise, and I just don't know that. Uh, I don't know that Castellini cares, and I guess maybe I don't know—he's a businessman. But it, but when when you complain about the Cincinnati Reds, I, this is my final word on it, and I'll let you uh, stick a pin in it, Doug. But I want to encourage everyone to remember: it's all Bob Castellini's fault. It is not the. I mean, we have some decent players in the in the uh, decent guys in the baseball ops department, uh, on field staff. You know, or with uh, with Derek Johnson. We, it's it's this is all on Bob Castellini. 
I'm just, this is the don't blame Nick crawl portion of the podcast. So anyway, anything else you want to say on that point? I mean, I'll just say, I, I'm, I'm with you. The, the players, the coaches, the people in the front office, the scouts, everybody, those guys, they're all doing everything they possibly can to win. And a lot of them are talented. I mean, Dick Williams, uh, kind of revolutionized uh, the organization in some ways over the last few years. But if you can't spend the money to get the players or keep them around or acquire them, I mean, there's only so much you can do. You know, if I was in Nick Carl's spot, I would have taken the job too. Well, me too. But <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I'd be pretty, pretty upset right now that, yeah. uh, uh, I'd be sitting here answering questions about my shortstop that isn't the shortstop. Yeah. Oh, mercy. 79.83, the projection from Baseball Prospectus. So um, I, I do want to answer some uh, viewer mail questions, Doug. But before we do that, I have a, uh, I have a, I'm going to spring something on you. And I'm going to apologize ahead of time for not, uh, not giving you advance notice of this. But it's a segment we call Pop Quiz Hot Shot. You ready for a pop quiz? I've never been ready for a pop quiz. That's true. <laughs> I was actually a very... Well, I was a terrible student, but that's just because I didn't like to do or do homework. Um, well, I was pretty. I was pretty good at tests because I actually knew all the. I, I, I paid attention to class. I, I read my assignments and all of that. I just I hated doing the work. This one would have been an easy one if you'd done your homework, but it's uh, going to be a fun one, I think. And so let me just yeah. uh, let me just preface this. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. I don't think you'll be upset with me for dropping this on you. No, I'm already mad. <laughs> this week on February 10th, it was the anniversary of the day that. King Griffey Jr. came home to Cincinnati. You, you remember that that day? Chad, not only do I remember that day, I still have the VHS tape from the, re- the press conference and news segments from his plane arriving to the press conference on VHS. I've still got it on DVD. I know where they both are, although I have no idea how I can play VHS anymore. <laughs> I don't have VCR. But I've still got them both. So, yes, I do remember that. You know, probably in my lifetime... I mean, there's some there are some others that will compete for this, but after the 1990 championship, I don't know that I've ever been more excited as a Reds fan than the day that King Griffey Jr. Because he was the biggest thing in the baseball world at the time. Um, but you know, I mean, Clinchmas that was great, and you know, I mean, there have been some good, there have been few, but there not very many, but there have been some good moments. But that's probably number two for me. Where does it rate for you? I mean, Chad, do you know what my handle is on every website ever? Uh, no, I don't follow you on any. It's, okay, well, just channels. just for for you and for everybody else, it's Doug Dirt twenty four. That twenty four ain't for Ricky Henderson. Let me tell you, it's for King Griffey Jr. He was Although a, Ricky Henderson was great, uh, he was great. King Griffey Jr. wore uh, thirty. What are you talking about? He wore a few different numbers, but uh, <laughs> that 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 little. Uh, a little name that I use. It started in like 1996 on AOL. Oh, great! Because, yeah, because I'm super duper old. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what that 24 was. I just assumed it was a you know year, the year you were born, 1924. I'm not, not Philip Razor <laughs> over here. I'm not that old. It, no one can be Philip Razor. Um, and first of all, by the way, um, I think Phil's a little older than me, but we were born the same year. So watch it, pal. Call him old. Okay, well, he just looks really old. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Phil. Um, two straight weeks that uh, Phil's gotten some abuse. Phil, I love you. I'm not. I, notice that I'm not the one abusing you. For the record, I apologize. It's my so. guests. So, okay, here's the here's the quiz quickly before we get into viewer mail. First game of King Griffey Jr.'s Cincinnati Reds career took place on Monday, April the third, two 
2000, 1.05 p.m. local time at Synergy Field before an audience of 55,596 screaming Reds fans. What a big crowd. The Reds took on the Milwaukee Brewers on opening day that year. And My question for you is, can you name, how many of the starting lineup can you name for the Cincinnati Reds on that day? And don't look it up <laughs> while we're talking here. I want you to see. I want oh. you to see if you can guess any of the starting lineup. I probably would have gotten four. I, I could guess King Griffey Jr. King Griffey Jr. So, was in there. So that's one. Started in center field and batted third. Two thousand. Okay. Sean Casey. Uh, Sean Casey was not in the lineup that um, day. Okay. Um, Pokey Reese still around. Pokey now? Reese. He let off. All right, Barry Larkin. Played second base, and Barry Larkin batted second. So you got the top three in the lineup, Reese, Larkin, and Griff. First of all, Pokey Reese leading off. Get out of town. What what kind of nonsense is that? that Eddie Taubensy. Eddie Taubensy at catcher. Ooh, look at that. You got got four of them now. Okay. He batted six. I'm working working my way around the infield. Yeah, pretty pretty good. I'm impressed. Third base. You missed first base. You could probably get first base if you tried. It's a familiar name. Mm, I already, I've already moved on. I'm okay. On, I'm on, I'm on third. Keep going. Third and base. I, I, my brain says Aaron Boone, but I'm like, that's that's too early for Aaron Boone. Wrong. Oh, Aaron God. Boone. Was it Aaron Boone? I'm giving you Aaron Boone. Yeah, that's five. Oh Aaron Boone started at third base. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that one either. You've gotten I, the ones that I would have gotten. I don't know if I would have gotten yeah. Tobinzi, but I probably would have guessed that. I, I honestly don't I, I don't even have the slightest idea on the corner outfielders. Like I am I, I'm done. Yeah. N- no guesses? Come on. No. No. I, I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. No guesses. Yeah. I got nothing. I'll tell you who they are in a minute, but uh you, you got another guess for first base? It's somebody who had a decent Reds career. A decent Reds career. No, I got I got nothing. Give it to me. He had a he had a uh uh Copious uh, midsection. He had a little bit of a belly. <laughs> that could be a lot of people, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, let's give you. Well, first, wait, starting pitcher. Let's see if you can get starting pitcher. Oh, okay. Starting pitcher at 2000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even want to think about the 2000 pitching staff. This guy was, had a decent career. He was the only day starter that year. I had some decent, you know, a decent time with the Reds, but. No, I'm I'm not even trying. I got I got nothing. Okay, all right. Well, that's, you did you did better than I would have done. So, here's the starting lineup for the Cincinnati Reds on opening day of 2000. Which, uh, coincidentally, or not, it's not coincidentally at all. It's not a coincidence whatsoever. But it ended uh, after six innings in a three to three tie because of rain. Pokey Reese led off and played short. Barry Larkin batted second. Excuse me. Pokey Reese played second. Barry Larkin played short. Uh, hitting third, King Griffey Jr. in center field. Batting cleanup in right field. Are you ready for this one? I'm ready. Dante Bichette. Mm. Bichette happens. Um, he was bad as a red. Batting fifth was your first baseman, Dimitri Young. Oh, you know that sucks because I saw I saw a video of Dimitri Young this afternoon and I couldn't. Oh my gosh, I. I'm mad at myself over that one. I, if you would have asked me this yesterday, I wouldn't have been mad at myself. I'm mad at myself today because I saw a video of it. Batting six, Eddie Taubensy. Sweet sweet hitting uh, little left-handed catcher. I liked it, Taubensy. Um Batting seventh, Aaron Boone at third base. Batting eighth, your left fielder, Michael Tucker. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about Michael, Michael Tucker? 
I remember what Michael Tucker looked like. My memory was that's, that. That's it. My memory was that he looked like he should be really good. There's something about the I don't know. Maybe just he looked good in a uniform. I mean, that's he, exactly what it was. Yeah, I mean, he really he really looked good in a baseball uniform. Handsome man. Um, and your starting pitcher, Pete Harnish. Pete Harnish. Yes, I sh- I should have gotten that. That's You're one right. that yeah. If you just if you just stumbled around a little bit, I think feel like you would have gotten Demetri Young and and Pete Harnish. So I don't know. You did better than I thought. Good job, man. Yay, go me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our. Uh, do, I, do I get a prize or anything? Or? No, you failed. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You mean an F. I, I I know math well enough to know that that was a, that was a failure. But hey, I'm a teacher, man. I got I got to grade him like a like I see him. So all right, uh, let's a- answer some viewer mail questions now. These answers or these questions, as always, come from our friends at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio, where you too can go and support this podcast. Join the family. For as little as uh, $2 a month, you can get access to our private Slack channel, which is, uh, it's getting crazy these days, uh, the conversation in there. It's, uh, if you don't know what Slack is, go look it up. But we have a, we have a Slack uh, channel where we just talk about the Reds and also other dumb stuff all the time. And it's just, it's, it's, the, the family is, uh, has a good time there. So I would encourage anybody to go uh, check that. If you want, patreon.com slash radio. First question comes from Ryan Rayburn. Ryan's question is this. With all the clamoring for the Reds to get a shortstop this offseason, and with Jose Garcia appearing to have added good weight to his frame, source, Instagram, isn't it in the best interest of the long-term outlook for the Reds that Garcia get a real shot as the everyday shortstop if he comes into camp and shows the improvements needed from last year? Yes, there'll be service time shenanigans, but he seems like the best option. It may have been, uh, Bob's empty pockets aside, the main reason the front office didn't look too seriously to sign a free agent shortstop. Uh, and I'll let you answer that question about Garcia, Doug. But first, I want to say this. It was kind of a, a parenthetical note, Bob's empty pockets aside. I don't think you can put his empty pockets aside. I think the, the only reason the Reds didn't look to seriously sign a free agent shortstop is because of Bob Castellani refusing to spend. I think that's the o- there, there are no alternative reasons. Um, but what do you think about Jose Garcia? Well, the, the question was prefaced, if he shows up and has made the adjustments needed, then yes, I think that he should be the shortstop. I don't think there's going to be any service time issues because, um, you know, even though he was called up last year and you kind of get that prorated service time, um, he wasn't up long enough or short enough that it makes sense to hold him back if he's ready. Um, if they were worried about getting that extra year, he'd have to stay down for almost two thirds of the season next year. They're not going to do that if they think he's ready, especially given that they don't really have other options. Um, but I, I think that, I mean, Anything can happen. But based on what we saw last year, I would be shocked if he's ready to hit big league pitching in April. Yeah. I just would. I mean, it, it's such a big jump in competition from where he was last. Um, I mean, I guess technically he played at, at Prasco Park for a month. Um, the ketchup but, factory. We're talking about Prasco again. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a big gap from where he was in the Florida State League in 2019 to where he needs to be to face big league pitching. I, I, there was a lot to ask of him, and you know, kudos to him for you know not getting down on himself. I mean, he really did struggle. Um, I, I just think that he needs more seasoning. Um, he needs to see more advanced pitching in a, a less stressful environment, probably. Um, and then, yeah, but this is nothing against Jose Garcia. That's like I said, it, it's a lot to ask of anybody to make that jump. They have these different levels for a reason. You know, you you progress because you start seeing better things at each level. And he just he he didn't get a chance to, you know, take those two steps in between, um, and it, it showed. 
Yeah, if it's if it's my choice, I, I say there's zero percent. I would say no way in the world is he starting. Even if he shows uh, improvements in uh, in spring training, um, and I haven't seen those Instagram pictures, I need to check that out. But um, I love looking at the Instagram pictures of strong guys. But um, I just I, I still like Jose Garcia. I, you know, I'm I'm not giving up on Jose Garcia. But if there were ever a guy that needs a year at Double A or AAA, playing every day. And let's see, uh, give him an opportunity to improve. It's Garcia. He just, he was not ready. And I can't imagine that he could have done enough in the last, you know, four months to get ready because he was overmatched. He was in over his head. And that's, like I said, it's not a criticism of him. He was young and he was put in a tough spot. But I just, I can't, I wouldn't do it if I were the Reds, but heck, they do lots of things I wouldn't do. All right. Next question comes from our buddy. Uh, that's a good question, though, Ryan. Um, and and frankly, he's the only real shortstop that's anywhere close to the big leagues in the organization. So it's not inconceivable that that could happen. I don't expect it, but it's certainly not inconceivable. Joe Farsing asks, what's more uncomfortable? Watching the Cardinals get Nolan Arenado while the Reds get Max Schrock or making small talk with your urologist? What kind of a question is that? I don't know, but I'm going to go with watching the Cardinals get Nolan Arenado basically for nothing. Because of course they would. Why wouldn't they? All the all the good things happen to the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, stupid Cardinals. I don't know, though. I don't have a urologist, but it seems like making small talk with your urologist could be uncomfortable. Well, it depends on what small talk you're making. I wouldn't. I just make it not awkward small talk. Oh, buddy. Every conversation with my urologist would be small talk. Oh, yikes. Kyle Kapler asks, I know it won't happen, but who could, in theory, play a better shortstop? Kyle Farmer or Jonathan India? India would at least provide a little upside at the very least. I've had that question posed to me a number of times on uh, on Twitter, and uh, I guess my response is just that I'm kind of the low man on India. I don't have any expectations for India. I don't, I don't know that he'll ever be a, a big league player, um, or at least, you know, a a contributing big league player, an important piece of, of, a, of a decent team. Um, but what do you think about that? And first of all, I don't think he can play shortstop either. So, but there's that. No. But who, but in theory, between those two, who, who who could play a better shortstop in 2021? If Doug Gray gets to put on the GM cap, and there's no service time concerns going on anywhere, if my only two options were Kyle Farmer and Jonathan India, I'd play Jonathan India. Yeah. I agree with that. Even though I just I, said, I, I, I don't. I, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not really sure he's a big league shortstop defensively. Um, I, he's I'm not. very. I, I'm very confident that he's a better hitter than Kyle Farmer, who's also, in my opinion, not a, defense, a shortstop defensively in the big leagues. So I'm going to go with the bat and the upside. And I mean, I'm not really sure that Jonathan Indy is a worse defender than Kyle Farmer is. So that's true. I've kind of you know just dismissed the suggestion that it could be Jonathan India. But, yeah, if those were my choices, I would go with Jonathan India every single time over Kyle Farmer, who seems no, like I'll, a nice enough guy, but he's not a shortstop. Yeah. I'll also add in, I, I'm, I'm more high on John, Jonathan India than you seem to be, Chad. Yeah, he's um, he's garbage. No, I'm not. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know about all that. Complete garbage. But. He's Brandon Larson part 2.0. Well, I will strongly argue <laughs> against that one. I love it. I love poking at the our prospect guy here. Um, woo the Reds ask the most important question. Why? Why spend time on the Reds? 
I'm a lifelong fan that feels myself slipping back into the lost decade mode. Tell me why I shouldn't. My answer to that is, I can't tell you why you shouldn't. You probably should. I mean, I want people to keep listening to the podcast, so I'm, uh, you know, and and we want people to keep coming back to RedLegNation.com, and so maybe I shouldn't say this, but why? I mean, what's the point? They don't care about trying to put a good product on the field. Clearly, Bob Castling does not care about putting a good product on the field. So, you know, it's a rational decision to shift your attention elsewhere. And Castellini is counting on people like me who are going to keep watching anyway. But really, if you're making a rational decision, there's no reason to watch this organization because they don't care about putting a a, a competitive product on the field. So uh, what do you think, Doug? I mean, I, I pretty much agree with you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have quite said it that way, but if you're not happy, why would you waste your time? I, I'm a I'm a guy who went four years without watching Cincinnati Bengals because after they blew up in 2015 playoffs against Pittsburgh, like I just couldn't do it anymore. It was not fun for me, and I just didn't watch the Bengals play football for four years until they drafted Joe Burrow. And for some reason, me being the idiot that I am, I was like, oh well, maybe there's a reason to watch again. Oops, but I. I get it. If if watching Cincinnati Reds baseball doesn't make you happy, quit wasting your time with it. You know, says the guy who literally keeps a roof over his head because he writes about Cincinnati Reds baseball. Yeah, go um, to redlegnation.com right now. Go to redsminorleagues.com right now. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, if you're not happy with it, then stop wasting your time. I mean, it's find something that brings you joy in life. And if it's not the Cincinnati Reds, then that's that's fine. Go root for the Padres. They seem fun. Yeah, I just uh, we a, a consistent theme of this podcast over the years has been baseball is supposed to be fun. It's a conversation I have with Jason Linden often on this podcast. Hi, Jason. And uh, we he's not listening. And we need to um, we need to always be cognizant of the idea that baseball is supposed to be fun. And if you're if it's not fun, why are we fooling with it? And, and this team, frankly, it's not fun often now. I like a lot of the players, and, you know, I'll watch the game because I like the game of baseball, though I like it less now than I used to because of the game of baseball is in a bad spot right now with the home run or nothing, home run or strikeout. Um, but, you know, um, if, it, if if the Reds are causing you heartache, heartache and stress, why? Why would you? Because we picked this team as a kid because we were happened to be born in the area um, in the Reds footprint, Reds country, really? I mean, is that we we can't? It's, it's different, obviously, but I think it's a good uh, Chris Garber, my friend Chris Garber, another frequent contributor here. A long time ago, he put it like this: you know, if you if you went to a pizza place and they continually served, served garbage pizza to you, weren't even trying to make it better, you wouldn't go back. Now this is different, and, and people are going to argue because they always do on Twitter about this point. Yeah, but I'm a lifelong fan. I'm a, I'm hardcore. I'm with him till I die. Okay, great. That's that's fine. Great. Be a fan however you want to be. I don't. I don't. I don't care. But I mean, you know, I'm going to watch him. I've already said that. I'm not spending any money on him this year, other than I guess the MLB.tv subscription. But I'm not. I'm not going to any games. If if we get to go back back to games, I'm not going. I just I can't. I can't put 
money in Castellini's pocket in good conscience. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna watch him because we do the podcast and I like talking about him and I do like watching the game, but um, I can't make a good argument as to why anyone should follow this team if you care about them being a good team because they're not trying. So anyway, rant over. Anything else you want to add there? No, I feel like I, I said what I needed to say. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Michael Petrie says, with regards to the Andrew Benintendi trade, and that's uh, he was uh, traded to the Royals in a complicated deal, he says, why are teams engaging in complicated three-way trades that don't result in the Reds getting a new shortstop? That is a fantastic question. Why are there trades happening in which the Reds aren't getting themselves a shortstop? It doesn't make any sense to me. Good question, Michael. I've got the answer. Other teams are jerks. Or they're trying to improve their teams. The Kansas City Royals, man, trying to improve their team. What are they thinking? That's not allowed, is it? In some places, it's allowed. Look, the Kansas City Royals, they got a nice new owner this past year. Or, well, a partial owner. Maybe you've heard of him. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, oh, really? No, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, he, he signed a football contract for $450 million. Um, and so he decided he wanted to buy into the Kansas City Royals. And that's really the only you know reason I could come up with. It really is in no way true. I'm sure that nothing that you know he joined the, the ownership group had to do with him trying to improve. But I just love the story. So. Patrick Mahomes, uh, good. You know, he's obviously in the. Uh, I can't say Super Bowl, can I? In the big game, although I just said Super Bowl. Now I've said it twice. Um, there was a good picture. Your I know, right? Wait, but I'm my own lawyer. Um, and those of you that know the quote about being your own attorney will know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a good, good picture in the lead up to the big game uh, that showed his, his dad as a Minnesota twin holding young, like two year old Patrick Mahomes on the field. And it was the cutest thing I've ever seen. And then. He proceeded to go out and get beat to death in the in the the Super Bowl. Take that NFL, the no fun league. John Majewski asks this, and, and this is really going to go to uh, more to you, Doug, than to me. At, although I've got a, an assessment that's not going to look good. Anyway, Dan Simborski recently wrote a damning blog blog post on the Reds' dismal off season. It's a good post over at uh, Fangraphs about Fangraphs.com about or it's dismal uh, winter or something. Even more alarming is his take on the future, particularly the hitters, writing that they're not waiting for a bevy of exciting young prospects to storm the NL Central barricades. The team's offense looks even worse when we look to the future. Is he right? What is your assessment of the Reds' system in providing offensive help in the next two to three years? Good question, John. What do you think, Doug? I mean, in the next two to three years. Now, let me preface this by saying there was not a 2020 minor league baseball season. Uh, and so we're really working with a situation where, for the most part, none of us really know what the heck is going on. I mean, there was a handful of players in each organization last year that we have any sort of even half data and information on. And those were the guys that were playing at the alternate training sites. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll rewind this podcast, what, eight minutes? Chad was talking about how he, he wasn't sold on Jonathan India. Every report I heard about Jonathan India coming out of the alternate training site this year was that he looked so much better than he has in the past. Nah, he sucks. And so, you know, if, if you're if you're someone who is looking at Jonathan India's stats, let's be honest, they don't look that great. You know, we're looking at a guy who, yeah, he's got a good walk rate and he's, you know, 
strikeout rate is okay, but he hasn't hit for any power. And that was one of the selling points of Jonathan India when he, when he was drafted by the Reds. Jonathan India has been hurt since he's been drafted. Nothing that's really kept him off the field too much, but he's had some nagging injuries pretty much since the day he was drafted. Well, he was healthy this year, and he tore the cover off the ball. At, at the ketchup at, factory? At, at yes, at the, at the ketchup factory. And, you know, but what does that mean? I don't know. I mean, you you talk to pitchers that were there, and they'll, they'll be honest with you, and they'll tell you, you know, it's not quite game situations. Uh, you know, Joel Kunal, who, you know, he pitched for the Reds last year and the year before, you know, he mentioned, you know, you have to be, I mean, you're not exactly being careful, but you think about it, you don't bust guys inside with fastballs like you would if they were not your teammates. Good point, yeah. So hitters are probably a little bit more comfortable in the batter's box there. They know, hey, you know, unless one gets away, you know, I, I can really, you know, not really worry about looking for this specific pitch in this specific area. That helps a hitter. So, I mean, I, it's just a weird situation right now trying to evaluate prospects to me. Um, you know, one of, the, one of my, again, it, it, this is a thing that I do for a living. I, I write about Cincinnati Reds baseball. One of the big things I do every year is a prospect list. I didn't do one this year. I, I just didn't think that there was enough information out there on all of the players because most of them didn't play. And the guys that did play, is it fair that, well, let, let's take, you know, Jose Garcia, for example. You know, a lot of people feel like maybe they're down on Jose Garcia right now because of what he showed in the big leagues. That's not his fault. Should he be punished because he was put in that situation and we saw that he struggled, whereas another guy who didn't get that opportunity, maybe that guy struggled too, and we have no idea. It's just, it, it, I, it's a weird I time, know. yeah. It's, it's a very weird time. Now, if I were looking at the national rankings right now, I'm not sold that the Reds have a lot of offensive help coming soon. You know, they they just drafted an outfielder, Austin Hendrick. He's not going to be ready in two to three big, years. Big time upside, but he's not going to be ready in two or three years, probably. If he is, that's going to be great. That's going to be great news because that means he's been everything that you could ever imagine. Because you guys right, just yeah. don't get there in two to three years out of high school unless they're that dude. But, I mean, yeah, you're, you're looking at guys who generally project to be average-ish players. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that one of the big things that the Reds' farm systems have been missing for years is having that guy that's turned into a superstar. I mean, who was the last superstar hitter the Reds had? It's Joey Votto. He was drafted in 2002. That was almost two full decades ago. Complete malpractice uh, by the Reds' uh, scouting and development. I mean, you know, Nick Senzel was a top 10 prospect just a couple of years ago. You know, I, I really like Nick Senzel. I think that he can still be very good. He hasn't been so far. And that's really the only top 10 guy they've had on offense since Jay Bruce in 2008. Yeah, you know, I'm not the prospect guy, obviously, but I will say this. Okay, maybe if you want to be bullish on India, you would throw him in there. But I, I see one one player in the Reds minor leagues, one, that I think has a chance of being a starter for the Reds. In, two, in the next two or three years. And that's Jose Garcia. And even that's up in the air, you know. But he's the only one that I even have any hope for. Being a starter. And, and which the question is providing offensive help. I think that's the, that's the, that's the question. Who's going to be a starter? And that's a failure. That's a huge failure of this quote-unquote rebuild. Um, and they've traded away some guys. That, but I don't know any of the guys that they've traded, they've traded away are going to be starters. 
in the big league. So uh, it's it's not going <laughs> go Reds. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. Jeff Euchler asks, I enjoyed Doug's up. Hey, listen, don't first of all, don't uh, compliment Doug on here. This is my podcast. Hold on, uh, Chad. I'm sorry. I, I have to interrupt because I, I am disagreeing with you a little bit now, and I think you'll disagree with you a little bit too. Tyler Stevenson. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah, I think yeah, we have to. I, include I, him. I think yeah. I think we both had just had him slip our mind there. Well, because then now he's a he's a presumptive major leaguer in my mind. But yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I agree. Tyler Stevenson. So Tyler Stevenson and maybe Jose Garcia. Uh, we'll see. Jeff Euchler says, I enjoyed Doug's updates on Winter League activities for current and former Reds. Any takeaways from the Winter Leagues? Is there anyone who has earned an invite for the spring? Should the Reds be locking up Chesler Cuthbert and Jumbo Diaz to long-term deals now that they have shown what they can do? Did you get all that, Doug? I did get all of that. So let's start off with Chesler Cuthbert and Jumbo Diaz. First off, I love everything about Jumbo Diaz. I think the Reds should lock him up to like a lifetime deal. I, Bring it on. I don't know. I don't know how those work. I'm not a. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an agent. But make it happen. Um, you know, Chesler Cuthbert is. You know, I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna look this up. But our, our our good buddy Nick Kirby was actually talking about him earlier today on Twitter, and I want to make sure that I get this right. Um, but. You know, he he signed with the Reds to a minor league deal. First of all, what a great and, name! Yes, it is a great name. Um, where is this tweet at? Ooh, this is okay. scintillating radio. Looking for Nick yes. Kirby tweets. <laughs> yes, shout out Nick. So, <laughs> you know, Nick Nick actually he's uh you know he's looked through some of the splits and he looked up Chesler Cupper, and you know he's got a career OPS of seven eighty seven against left handed pitching, and he actually hit really well. Granted, small sample size. In 2019, you know, had a 937 OPS against left-handed pitching. I mean, maybe there's a chance to do something there with that. I don't know. Who knows? It's we're squinting. Yeah. We're, we're 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 squinting really hard. But the guy, you know, the question was asked about him, so why not? Sure. Uh, but you know, he he played in winter ball. He had a, a solid winter ball season. Granted, it's in a one of the lowest level winter ball leagues out there but that's okay i mean he went home to his home country and he played winter ball there so good for him um if we're going to talk about somebody that actually really stood out and gives me and hopefully some other people some hope uh jose de leon absolutely dominated in the puerto rican winter league uh he made six starts between the regular season and their playoffs um he had a 1.86 era in 26 innings where he allowed um 13 hits, 11 walks, and he struck out 50. That's pretty good. That's not bad. That'll get it done. That will get it done. And and, and the stuff was there, too. Um, he was throwing mid-90s with his fastball. Changeup looked really good. Uh, you know, he, He's one of the guys that Nick Crawl mentioned as being kind of in that competition for the number four, number five spot, along with uh, Wade Miley, TJ Antone, and Michael Lorenzen, and Jeff Hoffman. So, I mean, if, if he can go out in spring training and look like that guy, I mean, there, there, there are worse things that have happened to the Cincinnati Reds. Like maybe, maybe he can be that guy. You know, the thing that you kind of worry about with him or have worried about is the control. I mean, he, he showed pretty good control. Now, granted, the Puerto Rican Winter League is not Major League Baseball, but you can only pitch against the guys that are standing in the batter's box against you. So he was very, very good, and hopefully he'll carry that over into, into 2021. Fingers crossed. Next question comes from Hooper Powell. Hooper asks, is it fair to say 
that the ownership of the Reds were counting on the designated hitter in the National League and were willing to let Garcia take his lumps in the ninth spot in the lineup, therefore not legitimately going after a shortstop and crying poor. No, that's not fair. That's, no, they just they cheaped out. Period. That's it. Yep. I mean, that's that's the answer. I wish it were different, but that is the answer. Mark Hyden, I know we're worried about the shortstop position, but in the name of being excited about the Reds, I think we can carry a weakness there. If the other players hit like their baseball cards say they should, and Nick Senzel has a breakout year that he's due for, the Reds could, really could be good. Pitching will be strong. We just need to hit. It's not really a question, uh, Mark, and that's fine. I approve of that. Uh, and I approve of the optimism. And that's kind of what I've been trying to say. There is a path. You can thread the needle. And the Reds could be, you know, and we already had this conversation. I just wanted to get back into it, but yeah, they could be, they could be all right. That's why I'm not completely out on this team, I guess. I'm not going to spend money on them because I don't, Bob Castellini's a jerk, but, uh, but I'm not out on this team completely. Is that fair? That's fair. That's fair. Um, Mark said, not an additional question. You, first of all, Mark, you didn't ask a question the first time around. <laughs> so, uh, so this is clearly not an additional question, but, uh, but I appreciate you, buddy, because I love, I, love I love the optimism. Seeing the schedule with times come out today was pretty exciting. Can't wait to watch the Caesars Palace Bally's Sports Betting Network each night. There you go, I guess. Love it. Um, a quick one, because we're going to give Hooper Powell one more. Um, also for Doug, out of these three prospects, who will have a better career? Hines, Siani, or Bautista? Reese Hines, Mike Ciani, and who's Bautista? Mariel Bautista. Yeah, never heard of him. Uh, Mike Ciani is number three in that list. Screw Mike Ciani. Do you know why? Is it because he he changed his name to Michael and you didn't like that? Well, that's part of it. Okay, well then what's the other part? He uh, committed to the University of Virginia and then decided to go play for the Reds instead. He should have played for Virginia and then gone to play for the Reds. They gave him a lot of money to not go play for Virginia. I know. It's the old Devin Mezzarocco story. Same situation. Anyway, who's going to have a better career? It's Reese Hines, right? We're, we're, I'm high on Reese Hines. I really like Reese Hines. I want him to be a, a, a guy. I also think that he's the riskiest yeah, of the three. Yeah, But Just I also want it. The other, the other two guys are better defensively right now. I mean, Michael Ciani's an incredible defensive center fielder. And that, that, that'll, get you, that'll get you to double-A, triple-A. Pretty much, no matter what. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Resigns. He's the guy that I have rated the highest on my prospect list that I haven't updated. But if I were to make one, he'd be rated higher among the three. Um, there you go. Then uh, you know what I'm looking at right now, Doug Gray. What's that? Have you ever heard of Ed Armbrister? I have. Ed Armbrister played for the Reds. I'm looking right now at his rookie card, baseball card. What do you think about that? Are you impressed? I have an I mean, Ed Armbrister rookie card in front of me. I mean, I think you're bragging about your your wealth and <laughs> how you're about to sell it on eBay and retire. But <laughs> It actually cost me more on eBay than an Ed Armbrister rookie card should be because Fred Lynn is also on this card. It's one of these rookie mm -hmm. outfielder cards. Um, but the reason I mention that is uh, I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I think maybe it was just on a Patreon podcast. But um, my son, when my son... Uh, got to the age where I thought he might be interested in that. We started a project of trying to get every uh, every Topps baseball card, Cincinnati Red card, from their base set for my entire lifetime. And so in the area when they came out, we'd open packs and try to get Reds. and try to, It was just a fun thing to do with my son. Uh, he eventually lost interest. He's now getting back into it. Sports cards are a big thing again. But um, so, so not too long ago, I said, you know what? i got to finish that project just for me. And this is the final card. 
to uh, for my entire lifetime. I now have every Topps card. Ed Armbrister was my holy grail. Edison Rosunda Armbrister, born in Nassau, Bahamas. So there you go. It's a Fred Lynn rookie card. You've heard of Fred Lynn, right? I've also heard of Fred Lynn. He had a grand slam in the All Star game. Good for him. <laughs> Nathan Connor asks this. Trevor Bauer made 11 starts last year, and the Reds were 6 and 5 in those games. Our run totals in those games were 4, 8, 5, 3, 3, and 6. Is it a stretch to suggest that three and a half of those wins are easily, easily replaced by our 2021 rotation candidates? I realize this question makes me look like a statistical dinosaur, but when you consider our optimism heading into the last season and weigh that against Bauer's 2019 contribution, you begin to see a path towards taking a glass-half-full approach, which I'm desperate to take. I get it, Nathan. And my thought is Trevor Bauer's great last year. Uh, Trevor Bauer is not likely to be that good this year. And I'm still pretty bullish on the Reds, uh, Reds rotation. But again, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm Tyler Malley's biggest fan. I think he's, I just, I think he's a perfect number three starter. Um, so I, I don't think it's a stretch to suggest that the 2020 rotation could be, and it's a stretch maybe to say that it'd be as good as the Reds rotation was in that short season. But I think they could be awfully good. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not. I mean, let's uh, again, losing Trevor Bauer is going to hurt at least from a statistical standpoint. I mean, he he won the Cy Young for a reason. Well, he, uh, listen, he's, he's going to be, even if he's not as good, he's going to be better than whoever the Reds plug into the fifth spot in the rotation, you know. So the Reds are having to put somebody in the rotation that's not as good. But, I mean, Wade Miley wasn't around much, and when he was last year, he wasn't good. Anthony DiScofani got kicked out of the rotation towards the end of the year because he wasn't performing very well. Um, now, again, we're, we're sitting here, and it, it seems like, you know, we're coming down to, you know, Who's going to get those final two spots? Wade Miley, Michael Lorenzen, TJ Antone. Um, you know, those last two guys don't have much of a track record starting in the big leagues. Um, they both they've both been good pitchers in the big right. leagues. So don't, don't get me wrong, but there's a difference between what they've done in the big leagues and starting thirty times in the big leagues in a season. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on Wade Miley. Actually, I just the more I look at him, more I think you know what I think he's healthy. That's a big question always, but. I don't know. I think I think he can be a number four starter. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I'm way higher on Wade Miley than it seems like most of the yeah me too uh, Reds fans are on the Twitter sphere. Well, he's been bad since he came to the Reds, and that's why. Well, but yeah, I, but it's, he threw what like fourteen innings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, I agree with. Yeah. You. Rich Thompson, dear Chad and Doug, I think it's safe to say that you both are currently not pleased with Reds management and with Bob Castellini in particular. Is it fair to say that? I, I think I think that's fair, yeah. Yeah. Well, just suppose you collectively bought a lottery ticket. It's a winner worth $1.075 billion after taxes, which is just enough to buy the Reds. Question one. Now, Chad and Doug, do you assume the roles of presidents of Major League and Minor League operations respectively, or do you hire someone from outside the Red Lake Nation family to fill those roles? Oh, I'm hiring somebody else. <sighs> Not even uh, close. I, I am in no way qualified <laughs> for those jobs. Yeah, no, I'm I'm hiring the best person I can find, and paying them a competitive salary, and uh, reviewing their uh, curriculum vitae, and uh, you know, just uh, doing what real managers need to do. Um, now, what the the role that I would take, you know, years ago, you've heard of this guy Bill Simmons. He's a he's a sports writer, uh, mostly an NBA guy now with Ringer the Ringer dot com, but uh, he had this when he years ago when he used to be the sports guy on ESPN. He had this theory. 
that every franchise should hire like a, a a fan in the front office. And just that fan should be the guy who, before you make a trade or make a signing, you go to this guy and say, or not just not necessarily a guy, guy, girl, whoever, whatever, um, and say, all right, we're thinking about doing this right now. How's it going to look to the fans? <laughs> you know, and that's the guy I want to be. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Chad, we're uh, we're thinking about not signing a shortstop. How are the fans going to take that? You know, and it can give that a uh, little bit of a, a more expansive view than when, you, when you're just uh, you know in, too uh, too insular in the uh, front office. So that's the role I would take. Doug, what, what role do you want? Well, I need to ask you a question about your your assumed job you're going to be taking. Do you get a bleep button? With that, when they ask you if, if, if the plan is going to go over well with the fan base, if they don't sign a shortstop? No, because we're co-owners. We can say whatever we want. Oh, fair enough. Un- under this scenario. I mean, H- HR is probably not going to be happy. But... Yeah, whatever. I'll fire them, too. <laughs> I'm George Steinbrenner, baby. We're going to win. Hey, then I'm all for it. Question two, if you decided that some members of the Red Leg Nation family would be good fits for other positions in the Reds organization under your collective leadership... Who would they be and for what roles? That's a tough one. He says, a P.S., I would love to throw my hat in the ring for either the Director of Community Engagement Outreach or Director of Special Events. Sorry, uh, Rich. You just uh, got both jobs, Director of Community Engagement Outreach and Director of Special Events. Deal with it. Joey Gaditza says, hey, Chad and Doug, hope you are most excellent. You know, I am most excellent. I am not, but I do appreciate that. Well, let's just say this. Be excellent to each other. There you go. And party on, dudes. Do either of you have any opening day traditions you take part in when you're not at the ballpark? Maybe a specific food or beverage of some sort. Doug, you got I any ab- opening day traditions? I, abs- I absolutely do. Do you? I do. I get a large La Rosa's pizza. Mm. And I you, you do not start eating until game time. Ooh, you do have a tradition. But also, I watch one of my weird favorite baseball movies. It's not my favorite baseball movie, but it's up there. And not a lot of, not a lot of people give it as much you know, credit as it's due. Fever Pitch. I love that movie so much. I watch it every opening day. So disappointed. That's fine. The <laughs> story of my life is disappointing everybody else, so I am used to it. But I, I love that movie, and I am not sorry for it. Don't apologize, baby. You like what you like. Um, I don't have any opening day traditions. I went for a long time. I went like eight, nine years every day going to opening day. We have a fun streak. Um, but I don't really have any. It's been a while since I've been to opening day, and I I watch it. Um, now, there was a time for many years that I had, and this was for a long time, and I've not done this in several years either, but for a long time in the in the weeks leading up to opening day, I would read uh, Ball Four by Jim Bouton to get me back into the swing of things. Usually right around the start of spring training. And then I would also, uh, really throughout spring training, leading up to him today, I would also watch the Ken Burns uh, baseball documentary. And I did that for a number of years. Every spring, I just that's what I did to get re- ramped up for the season. And I don't do that anymore. Maybe I should this year. All right. Chuck Nichols asks, and Chuck, I don't approve of this question, by the way. I just want you to know this. You're, you're trying to cre- create more competition for me. Hi, guys. A question we all want to know is this. When is Doug going to start his own podcast? I'm sure we would all enjoy listening to more content about Reds minor leagues. It's probably not going to happen. Um, I'm going to be honest. It's a lot of work on top of all the other work that I already do. And I 
I just feel that my time is better utilized doing all of the writing and traveling. You could do it like me and put no work into it, and the, the product <laughs> reflects that. You know, I, I would believe that, but you know, the podcast is actually enjoyable, Chad. So yeah, sometimes Nathan Connor's uh, response to that on the uh, Patreon site, patreon.com slash redleg radio. First episode, Doug reads mean tweets. <laughs> That'd be funny. Oh, I, <laughs> there is a long list, my friend. <laughs> there you go. Last question just came in under the wire just now as we're recording. So I'm, I don't know what it says. And uh, I'm a little worried because Risto Neely is one of our friends on the Slack channel at Patreon who, uh, uh, he, uh, you know, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. So here's the question. Last question of the day. Hey, Chad and Mr. Gray, as you know, I'm no spring chicken. Well, I guess that's true, Risto. He claims to be a, an older fella. I feel um, like a spring chicken would, it was trying to hide the fact that were a spring chicken, would say they weren't a spring chicken. Ooh, I'm, just, so, I'm just saying. That's a false flag operation here. Uh, which came up on a, in a, Slack, a discussion on the Slack channel with two fine fellows of the Generation Z persuasion. We have some younger uh, members of our Patreon family. And so it's, it's uh, we, we got all ages, but we are really young uh, up to uh, Mr. Neely, who's retired. Um, I pointed out to them when we were talking about who had suffered more as a Reds fan. Myself, having been a fan for 61 years, claimed to have suffered more. The two Gen Z fellows claimed they had because they've never witnessed the Reds win a playoff game, and despite my total cumulative years of suffering, more than double theirs put together, that I suffered less than them because I witnessed the big red machine years. Could both of you please solve our dilemma by deciding who suffered the most as a Reds fan, me, the boomer generation, or them, the Gen Z generation? Thanks to you both for impartial call, as you are both Gen X fellows. I guess that's true. I guess I'm that just, is not true. I'm a millennial. Are you Are you in the millennial generation? I'm a millennial. And uh, the answer is that my generation has suffered the most. Because <laughs> we've got both the length and the lack of any sort of playoff success. Yeah, you I mean, missed... I, I guess technically I, I was around as a 10, 11-year-old in 1995 for the first round of win that year. But uh, Yeah, you missed 1990. I mean, I, yeah, I was... I, I know I've told this story before on, on Red Lake Nation Radio, but my first real World Series memory is 1991 when I was seven. It, it reminds me of, uh, you know, someone I was talking to just uh, last week or week before who said he was born nine months, almost to the day, nine months after the Reds won the 1990 World Series. Parents were big Reds fans. Uh, yeah, they were. Do your own math. Um, and So he said he's, he has to be a Reds fan. But anyway, that guy... <laughs> Kind of like you, it's close to you, but uh, born nine months after the 1990 World Series. Yeah, that, that's the generation that suffered most. But between Gen Z and the Boomers, I don't think it's even a question to me. I'm sorry, Risto, you're not going to like this answer, but we keep talking about this lost generation here. And yes, you've suffered through an, uh, cumulatively a lot of bad years, but, but you had the big red machine. <laughs> you, you, you had some good years, at least. A dynasty. The best team in the league. Um, let's 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 talk about what Gen Z has to look forward to when they did make the playoffs. They got no hit for the first time they played in the playoffs in 15 years. The stupid San Francisco Giants. Oh, Buster Posey. Johnny Cueto in Pittsburgh. And the then ball. just all of the regular season disappointment their entire lives. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Can we can we change topics now? <laughs> now I'm sad. It's bad. Yeah, Risto, you know I love you, baby, but uh, I don't think you got a case here. Um, I, you know, I, I think about it kind of like this. As everyone knows, 
I almost went a full ep- episode of the podcast without mentioning uh, the University of Virginia. Oh, actually, I mentioned him earlier with Siani. Never mind. But anyway, um, with UVA basketball, I've suffered through some bad, bad, bad years with UVA basketball. And uh, but I've been a diehard fan uh, since I since I was there, and um, and, and followed watched every game that I could uh, every year. They won that ch- national championship, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> it's okay now. <laughs> I'll deal with some bad years, and they're not going to have bad years uh, really because their coach is too good. But um, I, you know that 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 solves a lot of uh, a lot of issues. It's it's let me deal with. I don't get upset on. Like some people do on on Virginia Twitter, which you are not are not on most of you. Um, I don't get upset when they don't play well because you know what, they're two time uh, reigning national champs, and so if you got to go through the big red machine, I don't know, man. I, I think that kind of does you for life. That's that's got to hold you. Yeah, it's it's bad now, and you want them to do well, but man, you you saw it. <laughs> you, you you saw the best that it's ever going to get as a Reds fan. You were. You were a Reds fan at the time. It's just this is this is the the apex. So, so it's Gen Z, right? Yes. But really, Gen X. Yeah. Or no, or really millennials. Sorry, it's not Gen. Gen- <laughs> it's all. Well, listen for me. You know, Gen X. Mm-hmm. I, I at least got to experience the nineteen ninety World Series. That's which, true. Which was great. It's been garbage since then, mostly. But whatever. Anyway, that's enough for one podcast. We've just gone on and on for way too long, Doug. Why did you let me do that? I've, I'm, I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. Go to patreon.com slash redlegrate to support the podcast. Uh, subscribe to the podcast everywhere you find your podcast. Go to redlegnation.com and Red's Minor Leagues come every single day. I need you all to do that for me. Every single day. Go there and enjoy the content that's being uh, put out. Doug, any final words? No. Cool, man. For Doug Gray and Ed Armbrister, this is Chad Dotson saying... So long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.